0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. I'm your host, Ted Fayton. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, first, thank you for the time. Secondly, this is a podcast about living a fulfilled life and a happy life. We always say life is hard, but it's worth the squeeze. You have to go through the storms. You have to go through the hard times to really live the life you want to live and get to your goals, which in turn are your sunshine and your rainbows joining me today i'm really excited for this episode uh kenneth hughes and i i love it because kenneth you love to describe yourself as a triple minority right that's right yeah well thank you for being on the show today
1: thank you for having me i'm very excited about this
0: i'm excited too it's my pleasure and i know there's a lot of folks listening right now kind of thinking to themselves did he just say triple minority
1: (laughs) 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 who is this guy
0: why don't you introduce yourself uh and, and let the listeners know who you are and what it is you do
1: well, I'm a little extra, so um, you <laughs> did forget the E in my name, oh. Kenneth E. Hughes. Kenneth E. Hughes, yeah. okay. I'm like, not going to make you say the e, e every time, but you know, just <laughs> the first introduction. All right, yeah. you I'll put say that in the again? show notes. Yeah,
0: ladies and gentlemen, joining
1: me today, Kenneth E. Hughes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, so I am a triple minority. Um, what that means is I'm black, I'm blind, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of stuff, right? Oh, yeah. If you don't know. Too many people who have that minority status. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I'm still
0: here, man. I'm still sitting here. What's up? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, okay. Well, um, I am from Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Um, well, a suburb of Chicago, Aurora, Illinois. Uh, I did live in Chicago before I um, moved south. Uh, I um, do stand-up comedian mm-hmm. in the upstate area. I produce comedy shows. Uh, my production company is called 2020 productions. Mm-hmm. I currently have a show called slice of funny Okay. at a pizza place called Todaro pizza. Um, I do a show in Clemson called Clemson comedy night at the Clemson area, African American museum. That was a lot. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, cam for short <laughs> <laughs> I like or C triple AM. So, um, yeah, a little more about myself, um, you know with um all of these um disability titles uh i am blind i uh lost my eyesight due to a, a retinal disorder called mm-hmm. rp retinitis pigmentosa a okay. lot of people can't say that i'll allow you to say rp um it is something you're born with um however i did not know i was born with it uh well
0: if if you want kind of maybe unpack that let's jump into the, i guess how that came about if if you don't mind
1: i don't yeah um so it's very um, uh, interesting, um, that that story, because I didn't know that I had it. It's a um, hereditary degenerative disease. Mm-hmm. And you're born with it, and you lose your vision over the course of your life. However, you lose so little that they don't actually know you have it. And um, there were things that were very challenging for me uh, in, in my teens, and uh early adulthood i um wasn't good at sports okay i didn't know why it was very frustrating um, but i couldn't catch you know i get hit in the face with the ball oh, wow. um you know it's kind of embarrassing so you know i kind of shied away from um certain things I, I struggled to find something that i was good at uh i was pretty good at track actually but um Things started getting worse and I didn't know what was going on. I remember thinking that I needed glasses mm-hmm. and I kept passing eye exams and um, I went to see a doctor, explain what was going on, did some tests. They said nothing was wrong with me, but I knew something was wrong. Yeah. Then I learned um, that I was a bad driver. I did not understand why I you know, tried to do everything just like everyone else, follow yeah. the signs just like everyone else. And I had a lot of car accidents. So that was a very stressful time. Mm-hmm. Uh, very scary. That'd I should say
0: frustrating too. Cause like you mentioned, you, you didn't know why I didn't know why, you yep. know, something's wrong and you're trying, you're, you're, I have no doubt you're trying your best. And to kind of have these outcomes, you're like, well,
1: was there any time that you thought what's wrong with me then? Exactly. Um, lots, I didn't, I, I had no idea what was going on. It's very frustrating when there's something wrong. You know something is wrong, but you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And now in the meantime, you know, I'm, I'm entering adulthood. So there's already challenges there. You yeah, know, adolescence is stressful yeah, enough. Yeah. yeah, stressful enough. Exactly. And I remember... Um, I had a job when I was uh, 18, Okay, I was supposed to watch for contaminated bottles, and they were always getting past me,
0: Uh. and
1: I didn't know why, but that was one of the uh, frustrations is people thought that I was just careless or um, lazy, um, for lack of a better term. Uh, all these things were very frustrating. Oh, you just need to pay attention. You need to do this. So it was... Uh, it, it, it did a lot to my self-esteem.
0: So did and, you find that people started labeling instead of... I mean, to no fault of their own. Obviously, they couldn't understand. But you felt maybe people started labeling along the way. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm I'm being attentive here. Yes. And it was kind of like falsely... Yeah. Falsely accusing her, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. And then also... Um, you know, being made fun of is, uh, for being a bad driver or uh, not a very good athlete. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know those things are a- embarrassing, but it was also very scary because I totaled several cars. Yeah. I don't know many people who've said can say that they've totaled several cars. yeah, I've had a lot of near misses, and I remember knowing something was wrong not knowing what was wrong and and, and forgive me if I'm all over the place. Uh, You're right on, you're right on track. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) it's hard to follow a timeline. I was in um, college and I was um, struggling. Mm. I remember reading or attempting to and losing my place on the page. And you know how it is when you're, you're studying and the frustration of, um, just not you know, knowing. I, I, I know I, I keep coming back to that, but I was just unaware of what was going on. I um, hated school for that reason. Yeah. It was just frustrating. I, something you can't explain, but you feel like an under mm-hmm. And that does a lot to your, um, your, your self-esteem. But um, I remember that uh, United Airlines was hiring and he was always traveling all around the world. And I'm like. This is your roommate. Not a roommate. It's a, a friend. A friend, nice. a friend of mine. Um, and um, I applied, got the job, and kind of lied to myself. I said, oh, I'm just going to take a break off for school. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a year off. I didn't go back. <laughs> um, I hear you. Um, but what's so funny um, the reason why I brought up that job was because it led me to find out what was happening, so I, I passed the interview. there was a you know you had, they had an open house, about sixty people. then they select about fifteen people for a second interview. Then the third interview is a one on one It was a, 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 a sort of a process yeah you know, to get the job anyway um, before we started, we had to go through a physical. Yeah, And I remember it was a basic physical, but the lady who um, performed the physical, she said she noticed that I'm colorblind. She said, you know, you might be colorblind. Huh. So one of the stipulations is I had to see um, to go to an ophthalmologist um, because she said I needed glasses. And mm-hmm. then I said, I knew it. I knew, I knew I needed glasses. The whole time. So, yeah, because, yeah, you know, I was telling people I needed glasses, and they say I didn't. So that's all I wanted was, you know, to get classes. Mind you, I'm 21 now. So the doctor said that he saw something on my retina that he could not explain. There is some discoloration hmm. and he referred me to a specialist. What's your thought process when you hear that? Cause I mean, imagine you're going for your
0: dream job now, uh, American airlines, or you want to fly all over the world and, and, you, you almost get a little validation like, oh maybe you should go get get glasses. You're like, thank you. That's that's what I need. And you're you're walking in to potentially get your fix, right? This is gonna fix me. And then they say, I see something I can't explain. Yeah, I go to a specialist. What's what's going through your mind here at twenty one?
1: Well, because I'm only twenty one <laughs> yeah. it wasn't the most responsible thing. You know, you wanted that um that fix or Mm -hmm. that band-aid like, oh, I just needed glasses. So that visual aid was what I needed. I just wanted the job and I wanted glasses and I didn't take the other information all that serious because I just thought in my young mind, well this is all I needed was glasses. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna see a specialist. I didn't I didn't know the importance in that at that time. Uh I was just going through the motions to get um the 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 job that I I wanted so um, now I have classes now I have the job and it was fun it was a lot of fun I uh, got based in Philadelphia um, right out of training and I was there for a year and then I wanted international flying and our Philadelphia base it was only domestic so I transferred to San Francisco after a year Nice. And my whole goal was to travel the world and live in as many places as I could. And real short, um, when I was working at United Airlines, you had to stay in one particular base for six months. Mm -hmm. If another base opened, then you can transfer there. So that was my goal. So after three moves in a short period of time, I got over that really quickly. (laughs) I was (laughs) going to say. You know, it takes six months to get settled. Yeah. And And, then once you're comfortable, it's time to move again, huh? Yes. (laughs) And then, you know, after living in California, it was so expensive. I'm thinking like, where did the regular people live? Like, (laughs) So that's how I ended up going back to Chicago. It's like, okay, I'm over that. Yeah. But um, so in the meantime, I, you know, now I'm going through things of having to explain why I have glasses on and they're not working. Mm. So that did not correct anything. And still very frustrated, uh, and uh, still very embarrassed. So many different emotions. I, 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 you know, for lack of a better term, I I can say that it was not only frustrating, but embarrassing, because now I have glasses on, mm-hmm. and they don't appear to be doing anything. Yeah, And, you know, I talk about feeling inadequate or being deemed careless or um, reckless. And when I really got serious was when I went through a railroad track Mm. and the arm came down. Wow. Smacked the windshield. I was just driving, jamming the music, and bam. The scary part about that is I don't know how close I was to the train. Oh, my God. I don't know. I didn't see the railroad arm coming down. I didn't. I just drove right through. That scared the life out of me. I can imagine. So now I'm, I'm, you know, developing bad nerves. And um, I'm not ever going to make light of this. But there are certain things that happened after that that I'm not proud of. But I hit a elderly woman crossing the street that did something to me. Um, and I hit a little girl. These people are fine. Okay. It wasn't... There were, they, there were no fatalities. Yeah. But... It still hurts. I knew, yes. Not only that, it was scary. And it was not... And it wasn't just about me anymore. I didn't want to hurt another person. And I, I went and I got my um, I may, I found a specialist and they ran all these tests on me and now I am really if I say excited that sounds strange yeah. but I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to get to the bottom of it so when he tells me that they discover what happened or what is happening to me and you know, uh, you're in the doctor's office, you know, all the tests have come back. And this was, a you know, a, not a very simple process. I, I was um, living in the suburbs, but they sent me to Chicago, Rush Memorial Hospital.
0: And how old are you at this time? Because I know you were 21 going into
1: American this, Airlines. It was United Airlines. Oh, United, yeah. United. It, um, now this is about. Three years later? Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is about three years later. I'm um, still early 20s, um, but everything kind of happened really fast. Yeah. So um, he tells me that I have a uh, retinal disorder called retinitis pigmentosa, And in a strange way, I was relieved because mm-hmm. I f- nothing about that is happiness but I felt like now I know what's going on. Yeah. So I'm like, what's the cure? And then he tells me that there is no cure. And I'm like, oh, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, like, yeah, that, so what now? no, like we did this. I went through all this to find out what I have. Now we got to fix it. So then I had to process the fact that there was no cure. But still, even with that information, even though that it's not good news, I still felt better. Hmm. that I now know what it is. I felt like I can it, take, go ahead. I'm sorry. I feel like maybe you
0: were freed almost like from, yeah. cause I think something you said a couple of times was like not knowing, not yeah. knowing, yeah. you know, like it, it's one thing to know something's wrong and not know what it is. And now that you know what it is, at least it's, it's almost like you're, you're free yeah. of that, that darkness of not knowing what it is.
1: Yeah. It, it It was, I always say, like, it made it easier for me to take care of myself, Mm. to protect myself, you know, because, mind you, up until this point, all the 20, however many years of my life, um, I think I'm about 23 at this point, I've been trying to do everything um, just like I thought a young man should do. Yeah, yeah. And... Now I know why this is happening. Mm -hmm. Now, wait a minute, you know, now I know how to be careful, you know. So what
0: were the, I guess, the following steps after your acceptance into it and I guess heading into not just your acceptance to thriving in, in terms of everything you've started now?
1: Well, the process was first being more aware. Mm-hmm. being more aware at that time I found out that I had RP, but I wasn't considered legally blind at that point. I just have the diagnosis. Okay. And I, you know, I, you know, I stopped doing certain things the same way, mm-hmm. you know, eventually I stopped driving at night or, and you know, and that was a hard time to get other people to understand what's going on with me because people don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, when you tell somebody something, they don't understand if it doesn't affect them directly. And when it comes to um, visual disabilities, people don't understand what that means. They think you're supposed to look a certain way. Well, obviously, I don't feed that satisfaction. <laughs> so I say, you know what? I can't drive at night. Oh, yes, you can. It's fine. You're just putting on. Um, that was another thing that I had to go The People thought I just liked attention. Oh, man, really? Like, why would you pretend? Like, I know you're a sex symbol and everything. But. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I need to clarify that. I love attention. Yeah. I did not create <laughs> a retinal disorder to feed that attention. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so um, it got to the point where I could no longer drive. Yeah. And I was waiting for uh, the doctor To tell me when that was just how we do you know i was waiting for that day where the doctor tells me you know what you can't drive anymore Mm -hmm. that didn't happen i stopped driving on my own again it wasn't just about me i didn't want to hurt another person yeah Uh, i told you some of those examples where you know i still feel really bad just talking about them yeah i remember the last day i drove um fall around this time 2006 i was going to go visit my mother i put the dogs in the car and I couldn't make any left turns. Wow! So I drove all around the city until I finally got back home. And it was, it was a scary time. Yeah. And and, and um, I don't talk about this that often um, to people, but I developed anxiety, mm-hmm. which I learned later that it's, that's common for people who lose their eyesight. But those were some pretty anxious times, you yeah. know, dealing with things like that. So a couple of years after that, struggling at work, I didn't know. It was very similar to the fact of when is it no longer safe for me to drive a vehicle? No one told me that. So now I'm at work thinking like, well, I just got to do my job the best that I can. Mm -hmm. And I was... You know, I'm not going to say concealing it, but it was just not something I just talk about. Oh, you know, I'm losing my vision, by the way. I'm not going to be able to work here anymore. Yeah. So there is certain incidences at work and I was really uh, anxious about uh, emergency training, we had to have uh, something called RET, recurring mm-hmm. emergency training once a year. I was always afraid of failing that, like not going to be, not seeing something. The yeah. so thing with RP, obviously you can tell that I still have vision. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is you don't, people who say, well, when were you no longer able to do this? And that there's not like an easy way of measuring. Yeah. The loss of vision, it kind of just happens. So that's a part of the, you know, the fear in that, you know, you're doing other things. You don't actually know um, the transition. I hope I'm using like When the- you won't be able to do it anymore. Yeah. And I remember I was working on a flight to Paris. Um, certain of a few of my closest friends knew what I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to be able to work here that much longer. I think it's really getting bad, but I didn't talk about it with a lot of people. And I was flying with a friend and I, it was, you know, when you do the international flights, they're longer, they turn off the lights, people go to sleep. Yeah. And that was always very uncomfortable for me. I hated doing services in the dark and oftentimes they Flight attendants will like you to turn off all the lights because they want people to go to sleep. Yeah, And I would like always lobby to at least leave the lights on until the service is over. (laughs) Well, I ended up burning a lady with hot coffee. Oh, no. And I'm like, okay, I think it's time. Yeah. I had an appointment to see my specialist. And then that's when he told me, you know what? You are actually legally blind now. And it was one of it was just like in the past. I knew it. I knew something was going on because you know that struggle that we're always going back to. Yeah, all those uncomfortable, challenging situations. So, um, I don't know how far we're gonna like delve off into this. Sure. I mean, we could
0: we could talk about the transition from from leaving the job oh, to okay. finding comedy. Oh, okay. you know, because I mean, I think that's a it's a good point kind of like shifting the mood a little bit right okay because okay. i mean we uh, kenneth you've been you've been through a storm you know we, we we just got through this storm let's start talking about the 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 rainbows of finding comedy and and kind of building um 2020 productions and, and everything you've, you've been working towards now
1: yeah we talked about the rain let's talk about the rainbow because <laughs> <laughs> hey it, it's okay to get wet
0: because the rainbow's always there and the sun's gonna dry us off, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. I'm a talker. Yeah. Like, so am I. <laughs> Can't so, you yeah. tell I have a podcast? <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: Um so I am now living in South Carolina yeah. um with my partner and our dogs. Nice. And I'm in the house a lot. Uh you've met me um fairly recently, but you can obviously tell that I'm a very social person. Absolutely. So being in the house was just difficult. Like I felt like I needed an outlet and I, you know, I lived in cities that were larger than this where I can get out and move out about, you know, the transit system is very accessible. And when I moved to Greenville, it was a little different. You know, the city is not that walkable. And, I felt like I needed an outlet and you know, I'm, I'm always doing silly things. I like to make people laugh. I like to entertain. Um, So I would create videos and send them to uh, friends and family. They yeah. pretend that it's burdensome, but they love it. <laughs> <laughs> they still open it, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, you know, I'm a silly person. I felt like I needed a comedic outlet. Yeah. And I Google Greenville comedy and then, that's how I found uh, Alchemy comedy theater mm-hmm. are you familiar with them i am um yeah, I have many friends that are still there. They do improv, and I took a class show yeah. I love the improv show It's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah yeah i I studied there took improv classes i didn't know what I was doing. I just jumped in head first I remember the first day of class i i for some reason I thought it was going to be more of um i didn't realize it was going to be so um Hands on right away. I just thought we were going to be sitting there, listening to a lecture, Mm -hmm. just learning about improv. Had no idea. Yeah. (laughs) And then I remember um, having to get up and perform day one. I'm thinking like, oh my God, if I could see, I probably would have left, but I couldn't find the exit. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm trapped. (laughs) So anyway, it worked out. It was good for me. Nice. So um, I loved it. And um, doing improv, I remember... At uh, Alchemy Comedy Theater They're, I'm sorry, excuse me Alchemy Comedy Theater They perform downtown at Coffee Underground mm-hmm. And in the same theater On a different night There's an open mic called No Expectations Okay And I was talking to some of the other um, students And we dared each other to do it It was about That's six how of it us it starts, right? Yeah. It starts with a dare Like, yeah. oh, you won't do it It was about six <laughs> of us Two of us showed up. Wow! I was gonna chicken out. I'm like, no, I can't do this. A friend of mine did not let me back down. We went a couple doors down to Ink and Ivy. Had a couple of shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little liquid courage. He but said, that's 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 an accountability partner, right? Oh yeah, he said if you don't do this, you'll never live with yourself. He made it really extra and dramatic. Was of course, just like this is your one shot. <laughs> it's like, but he's serious. <laughs> he was really serious. He made me do it then i got up there and right when i got my first applause line i knew that there was no turning back yeah i was like oh man this is what i'm like. <laughs> as nervous as i was I, I it's like an addiction i loved it it's yeah. like i love doing stand up comedy when it ended i couldn't wait until the next week to come back yeah so yep. your
0: friend was right <laughs> he <laughs> said this, this is do or die this is yeah. your shot
1: it, yeah, it, and um, I, I'm, I'm really grateful um, to him for it. Can and I say been, his name? Yeah. His name is Eric Nierman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Eric, you out there? Good job, homie. Shout out to Eric. <laughs> Next time you buy me shots. <laughs> That's awesome, and
0: you've been on many stages since.
1: Yeah. I st- so, so I started doing open mics. Yeah. Started going there week after week. Um, you know, um, like I said, I enjoyed improv, mm-hmm. uh, and I, uh, many of my friends— I still do it. I I love seeing them perform. And occasionally I will perform with them. But I felt very passionate about stand-up. I felt like I found the outlet that Mm -hmm. I needed. And I remember asking a lot of the guys, because you see a lot of familiar faces. Some of the people show up week after week. And, you know, you become friends with them. So I'm like, okay, what's next? They're like, oh, you keep doing open mics. And I'm like, well, then what do we do? Yeah. They're like, well, go to Comedy Zone. They have open mic. So we start doing that. Then what? Well, maybe somebody will see you and put you in a show. And I'm like, well, how often does that happen? Mm-hmm. And they were like, not. Not too often. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> like, so then I'm like, well, what if I start doing my own shows? I love it. So that's how I came to 2020 productions
0: you know what i love about that i love the fact that you're you're looking for the next thing you know and then what and then what because i think a lot of people they, they get comfortable and they get complacent and you know with you know, no pun intended they don't see the dream they don't see what's mm-hmm. next right mm-hmm. and it's, it's just like they're like oh well we keep doing stand-ups you're like no
1: there <coughs> has to be something and then when you realize they're like oh this doesn't happen often you're like well why don't we just create it ourselves well yeah, and, and no disrespect to any of them, but a lot of them were just comfortable just doing open mics. And I felt mm-hmm. like, well, we have a lot of talent in this town. Like yeah. I think we can showcase it more broadly than just at a signing up on a sheet and, and, and getting five minutes. Yeah. I, I I I wanted to do showcases. It and I I felt like those five minutes would go by really fast. Yeah. I would be getting into it, and I'm on a stage. <laughs> I'm loving it. I feel like I have the audience, and then it's over. It's like, man, I got the light already. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I had to come up with techniques for the time because I oh, didn't really? see the light. Yeah, there okay because <laughs> I, I always wondered how comedians were <laughs>
0: like, that's my time. I'm, I'm good to go. Like, where's the clock? <laughs> Someone's shining a light at you. The Someone back. shines a light in the back. Yeah. So what's your, what's your hack for you?
1: Oftentimes... Um, I will have my phone in my pocket. Oh, okay. I'll vibrate and they will call me.
0: Ah, nice. So a little vibration.
1: Yeah. There's been times where there'll be a little clap. Someone came and like tapped me on my shoulder, scared scared the crap out of me on stage. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there's different techniques. But most of the time, um, well, when you produce your own show, Mm. I don't get the light anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just do it. This is my show. Yeah, I got this. I just, but yeah, obviously I'm respectful to the other comedians and, you know, there's you know, time restraints in any show, but, um, it, it, when it's my show, it's not as important for me to chop it off at right at, a uh, when there's a, a minute left or if I've gone over a minute, it's okay. Yeah. So um, what's your favorite thing about comedy? Make people happy. Yeah. I find pleasure in that. Yeah. You, you know, I've just entertaining is, oh, I found, I, I feel like I'm sounding corny. I was uh-huh. getting ready to say, "Oh, you're just bringing people joy," but it's true. It is. That's a a a, a very fulfilling thing. Like, uh, you know, I I I never wanted to be like cathartic. Like it's just for me. I just have to blow off some steam, and you know, I'm up here, and and it's just a good outlet for me. Obviously, <laughs> it is. But yeah. I feel like I didn't do my job unless people tell me they enjoyed the show. So I'm not pleased until. Someone says that was great. Nice. That was funny. Yeah. Because I mean, how else would you know? I mean, we can all just get in front of a mic and just start ranting. Mm -hmm. So that's what I like. I like the most. Nice. Uh, It. It's. It's a weird. um, It's it's a very strange idea because you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. You're putting yourself out there on purpose for people to judge you. Yeah. (laughs) You (laughs) have to have some reward for that. And that is it for me. Yeah. The the people people. like it. Yeah.
0: And as, as, um, a, a black blind gay comedian, have you felt any restrictions? I know we kind of touched on this before the episode about like, you know, you you don't feel any, um, hard restrictions, but has there any been, you know, aside from the, the light or the five minutes or, or whatnot, what challenges do you feel right now? Do you feel any?
1: Well, I can tell you this. Um, i'm forty two years old now, and I used to be a very shy person mm-hmm. i you know, I don't know if it was based on um things that have happened, circumstances or just innate. I used to be very shy mm-hmm. um there's other insecurities, obviously um we talked about me being a a gay black man, you know yeah, there's a time where I was ashamed of that <laughs> yeah and didn't want to admit that or pretend that I wasn't and I I hid it I did lots of things too mm-hmm. and, and and not only trying to hide it but just not wanting to be that yeah so out of all the things that I've gone through including losing my vision I feel life is too short to just not be who you are what you are how you are the way you are and so with that being said I'm proud to say that I'm very comfortable with who I am. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel a lot of restrictions. Yeah. I, I, I'm happy that I'm in a place that I can say that in this microphone to you being broadcasted because I remember there was a time where I was very ashamed of it, insecure about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And just to Just reiterate.
1: afraid. If somebody could just tell me, um, or, or I'm sorry, ask me, certain questions I would clam up because I'm like oh uh, you know I have to answer uh, uh, accurately they're going to think I'm gay or you know that was when I was in the closet now that I'm not even then it's like oh are you seeing anybody okay what kind of lie am I going to like tell to get out of it Um, I didn't even realize we're going to touch on that but that has a lot I mean this is my life that has a lot to do with the way I behave now now I I don't care Nice. Uh, I don't say that arrogantly. Mm-hmm. I say that confidently. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, like, it does. Like because I, I appreciate that I'm here. I'm happy that I'm here. I feel yeah. like I don't have any time to waste.
0: You know what I love about your story? And as I've listened from the beginning... When you're first, when you know something's wrong, and I wrote some of these down because you mentioned, like, people saying you're, they say things that make you feel inadequate, Mm -hmm. reckless, um, careless, and, you know, and obviously we we joke about it. Yeah, triple minority. Or,
1: or, or, Or not even good, not good enough. Not good enough. Why can't he catch? Yeah. Why can't he hoop? And you know, as a black these, man, all these, yeah, <laughs> he can't play basketball. He can't on. dribble. It's <laughs> yeah. like something's wrong with me. Come on, man. Yeah. But
0: all those labels, they throw at you, right? Yeah. And, and coming to this point of the interview, I love what you just said because that was your symbolic shaking it all off for the for the listeners at home. Everything that people have said, everything that people might have thrown. And, and along the way, one of the frustrations when you said you don't know. So you're like, what is wrong with me? All that. That was thrown at you. You shook it off, and, and quite frankly, it's not like no, I'm not a gay black um, blind comedian. I am Kenneth E. Hughes, sex symbol. That's <laughs> and, right. And I that's it. such a that's such a powerful, powerful place that you've come to, because like we mentioned, you know, the, the rain into the rainbows. I could I could see you you have your rainbows, but there are a lot more yeah. in your future i appreciate that what are you chasing now what are your,
1: what are the goals that you're going and for what are your rainbows 2020 vision yeah yeah you don't have to have sight to have vision
0: that's going to be the name of this
1: episode and, and you know you know like the things that i talk about all yeah. the things that i talk about things that i in the past seemed like it was such a challenge for me mm-hmm. now i talk about it with ease and with pride you know Uh, we touched on so many different topics. You know, we went to my vision, we talked about me being gay, Um, you know, just being a black male, you know, I had to deal with people saying, oh, you know, you're not black enough. You're not this, you're that, you know. Um, Well, so I talk about everything that I talk about on stage. I love that I'm comfortable with that because I, not going to let anybody else define me. Yeah, I'm not going to let any of these things hinder me. Like me being visually impaired, I refuse to stop being who I am. I refuse to stop being social. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to sing, even though I don't have a great voice. Um, <laughs> I enjoy it. I love to dance, um, I love to entertain. and I, I just refuse to slow down. And I feel like I'm, in essence, accelerating. Yeah, Like, I don't have any time to waste. Keep wor- speeding up.
0: <laughs> Keep speeding up. Okay, how can folks find you, connect with you, catch one of your shows? Uh, what's the best way for them to follow you?
1: I am on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, my handle is 20 slash 20 productions. Mm-hmm. I am on Instagram. Nice. As 20 slash 20 productions, S-C. Nice. I had to have the slash there because they just put 2020. It's not me. Yeah. I don't know if I had to be that specific, but <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that's I, I put all the links in the show notes and everything, too, okay. so folks can have uh, have the link straight to it. Yes. So I'm 2020 Productions. Facebook, 20 Productions. SC, Instagram, 20 Productions. I'm sorry, 2020 Productions on Twitter. Nice. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm having a good time. I love it, man. I, I can't it. wait for you to come out and laugh with us. Yeah, I'm gonna have to come out because uh, mm-hmm. actually,
0: my fiance Jess, she just said the other day we were driving by Todoro Pizza and she's like, oh, "We've got to go back to that pizza place because we went for their lunchtime brunch." Oh, you
1: did go? Yeah,
0: yay! And it was delicious. And she's like, "We got to go back to that pizza place." And I was like, "Baby, let's wait till a comedy
1: show." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So we're gonna have to take you up on that here. Well, in can the next I talk to months. you a little bit about Todoro Pizza? Yeah. Okay. So my friend, um. Um, his family owns that restaurant. Yeah. They're so from New Jersey, right? They're from New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Great people. Um, you're from the East Coast, right? Yeah. North New East. York, Long New Island. Island. Okay. Long Island. All right. <laughs> well, he... Um, Christopher does... Um, Christopher Todaro. Yeah. I met him doing improv at Alchemy Comedy Theater. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, I begged him to do stand-up with me. Like, dude, because he's hilarious. I'm like, you need to do stand-up. So his way to doing stand-up was... um Uh, hosting my shows um so i I consider him my comedic partner Mm -hmm. and um he had a todaro pizza in clemson that he opened up about eight years ago and then you know so he opened one downtown greenville with his brother and i was doing shows around greenville already but i'm like you guys should let me do comedy at todaro pizza and so he did that's how i ended up there
0: so yeah and I'm, I'm excited for that area too because they're really building up around it and Tadaro Pizza has been a um, great spot. We can't wait to get more pizza and catch one of your shows. Kenneth, man, thank you so much. I think your story is very inspiring. Oh, it's, it's, very, it's very thought-provoking for anybody out there that thinks they might get the short end of the stick, right? Anybody that might think um, these labels people throw at them define them.
1: Well, I, they I, don't. I appreciate that. And, you know, you are really... Um, a great interviewer um, thank you well I, and I say that because you make it I don't know it's almost like therapy like you know just coming here I didn't know how I was gonna open up I just <laughs> felt like I had something to say and you gave me the opportunity to say it but yeah man it was just great
0: honestly <laughs> man um, the whole purpose of this podcast is kind of selfish I love these conversations I love learning about people and I love hearing these stories because it fuels me up and the microphones are so our listeners if they're interested and they'd like to get to know us as well, they get to sit in that space with us. So I, I thank you for being vulnerable. I thank you for sharing your story. And uh, I think a lot of folks need to replay this to learn some insight from you because um, I think you've, you've done amazing. And you're just getting started. Thank you. Yes.
1: Yeah. Next time we do this, this is part one. Next time I would like to have some alcohol. Some cocktails.
0: Yep. You know? <laughs> Good deal. Yeah. That's my some, fault. <laughs> some snacks.
1: Some snacks. <laughs> I, I, I got to feed you. <laughs> yeah. no, no, just, just the alcohol. Got you. <laughs> I'll
0: have the cocktails. <laughs> well, Kenneth, thank you so much. Everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. Beautiful.